Hey everyone, Chris Manning here from Locked on Cavs. Today's show, we have Rookie O'Donnell from SB Nation to talk about Evan Mobley, his mock drafts, his top 30 prospects, and a bunch more really great stuff with Ricky, who is one of my absolute favorite NBA writers to read. Um, you can also listen to him on the Cash Considerations podcast covering the Chicago Bulls with Jay Pat. So check that out. Support Ricky. Support the work at SB Nation. Check out the blogger mock draft we just did over there as well. And I think you guys will enjoy all the great stuff he's doing at SB Nation. Want to tell you, though, that today's episode is brought to you by the live NBA Draft Show from Locked On. NBA Draft go Chad Ford, Locked On NBA Draft host Raphael Barlow, and Locked On NBA host John Corrales will be live this year. Yes, live, covering the NBA Draft. It's Locked On NBA Draft 2021, brought to you by Built Bar. Get local expert analysis on each pick. Follow Locked On NBA Draft on YouTube today and watch our coverage on July 29th at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And you might see me and Everton there if you're so inclined. Tune in. Cavs need a three. Sexton works on Irving, trying to get loose. He'll fire. He knocks it down. Osman steps into a long-distance jumper. Allen to the bucket. He crushes it home. Off the Garland for three. He knocks it down. Drummond toward Valanciunas. Finds a cutter in a Coro, and a Coro thunders it home. By Kyrie. Sexton got it back. Nance for the tie. He it down. Love hands it off the Sexton feed. Cavaliers by seven. And uh, Cleveland, this is for you. All right, thrilled now to be joined by the great Ricky O'Donnell from SB Nation, the Cash Considerations podcast. Really, really sounds like you're thrilled there, guy. Bringing it in, and you're interrupting me already, and I'm going to redo this now because you did that. Unbelievable. Okay. You didn't sound thrilled. You're real flat. <laughs> Why lie to our guest and our wonderful listeners? Let me see you. All right, three. This should really all be on the podcast in my opinion. All right, fine. Ricky said it. Ricky, how are you, buddy? I'm good, guys. Thanks for having me. I'm see, that's the energy I need, Chris. I'm always thrilled to talk to Ricky. I love talking to Ricky. When Ricky, when Ricky texted me when we were working on Chosen, it was a thrill. It was an actual delight, unlike what Evan texted me. Let's see, what's the last thing I texted We you? were talking about something that was, like, not, was actually, like, so, like my... Chris is seeing Third Eye Blind this weekend of like a batch, against his against own a ba- will. As a part of a bachelor party. I love that. And I said, are, I asked him, aren't you living a semi-charm kind of life? And he's like, no. I'm not. I think he's just worried he's going to be losing a whole year if he catches COVID in this big crowd. That's a that's a third eye blind deep cut reference yeah. for it. Uh, oh, that's a deep I, one. It's it's one of those things where it's like a lot of people in a public space that I marinated in my vaccine. But um, yeah, man, it's going to be weird. The idea of surreal. the idea of a human body marinating sounds absolutely disgusting, though. Just throwing that out there, buddy. Whatever, um, Ricky. Let's talk about something that isn't going to absolutely waste your time. Uh, Evan Mobley, uh, <laughs> we we would consider him. Uh, I picked him in the Espionation blogger mock uh, for 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 on behalf of the sword. I think he's going number three. It just seems likely that that's where this is headed. It seems like the top of the order is Cunningham, Jalen Green, Evan Mobley. Do you like that pick for Cleveland at three? Let's just start there. I love it. I think that is a grand slam for Cleveland. Evan Mobley in a vacuum, I think, is the type of prospect who is strong enough to go number one overall in a lot of drafts that I have covered 
since I've started focusing on the draft as a beat. For example, last year, I was a pretty strong proponent of LaMelo Ball going number one, but I think I would have taken Mobley over him just because Mobley is a really unique player who doesn't fit into the typical box that we put NBA players in. And I think that that makes him sort of a challenging prospect to evaluate. And I think it's the reason most likely that, you know, Jalen Green might go number two overall. They might take Green ahead of Mobley. Green just, you know, you've seen players like Green before. The super athletic go-to scorer who can get buckets from all three levels, uh, you know, could potentially profile as a 30-point-per-game scorer one day. Now, I don't know if Mobley has that type of scoring upside. And in fact, I, I don't think he does. I, I would be surprised if he's averaging, you know, in the mid twenties in terms of points per game, because he sort of does lack an aggressive scoring mindset, but there's so much more to the game than just scoring and Mobley's versatility helps you unlock so many unique and interesting team building avenues with him as a centerpiece. So if I was a Cavs fan, I would be doing backflips that the Rockets are going to take Jalen Green at number two overall, if that does indeed happen. Personally, I think it's a little more up in the air. Uh, to this point, I, I wouldn't be printing out your Evan Mobley jersey just yet if you're a Cavs fan, because, you know, a week before the draft, you never know what's going to happen. I think it's certainly possible Mobley could go too. Yeah. But Mobley yeah. falling to the Cavs at three is a dream scenario. I think that he is a perfect fit for the roster. I think it's really the best thing that could have happened to the Cavs. I'm I'm very high on Mobley. I know some people uh, are a little more skeptical than I am. But if Evan Mobley hits his true upside, the dude is going to be an all-NBA level talent and just uh, one of the most interesting players in the league because of all the different ways he can impact the game. So I think... Uh, if he falls to three, that is just a grand slam for the Cavs. Do you have any concerns, though, like with the initial fit alongside Jared Allen? Because by all reports and accounts, it seems like the Cavs want to lock up Jared Allen as well this offseason. And that's kind of one of the biggest bugaboos, at least for Cavs fans, is the fact that you're spending this third overall pick on a player that projects as a four or five. But recently we've heard maybe he can play a little bit of three as well, which, you know, makes Chris Manning sweat a little bit. But do you have any concerns about his fit alongside Jared Allen just to start out his career? Well, he's definitely not a three. So if there's any lineups where you're starting two additional big men and then Evan Mobley, that's just a disaster right off the bat. And yeah, I do think there's a little bit of concern. Like, here's the thing I'll say about Mobley. He's a riskier pick than Jalen Green, I think, just because he's a big man and big men are a little bit devalued in today's game. Like the Cavs just sort of picked up Jared Allen as you know, a little bit of a throw-in uh, in a midseason acquisition. And Jared Allen's really good. I think that Jared Allen can absolutely be a starting caliber center for a long time in the NBA. But I think that Mobley just has a really unique upside if he is able to add strength to his body and unlock the rest of his game. And to me, Mobley and Allen pair really well together. I think that Mobley can absolutely play the four. And I think, you know, playing next to a strong paint protector defensively like Allen and someone who's going to be just like, you know, an immediate lob threat, have sort of that uh, vertical gravity that he can bring. That's just going to help Mobley even more early in his career. And uh, Mobley will still get a lot of time at the five, right? Like there's going to be plenty of looks where the Cavs are playing a bunch of wings around Mobley, Mobley at the five, you'll slide a Coro up to the four uh, Jared Allen's not going to be playing 38 minutes a game. You know what I mean? Like you're going to have different looks that you can go to if you're pairing Mobley 
and Allen together. And, you know, that's something that I think is just so necessary that we saw in these last playoffs is that you need guys who can sort of check every box of skill. And to me, Allen and Mobley, their skill sets are not redundant. I think that both those guys give you a different look. And while their minutes together, it might be a little bit of a crunch early in their careers, depending on how Mobley eventually develops as a shooter. I think eventually he will shoot it. Uh, early in their careers, it might be a little bit of a tough fit. But the fact of the matter is they're not going to be playing together, you know, 35 minutes a game. You're going to be going with different looks, depending on the matchup, depending on who's hot, depending on, you know, how the game is playing out. And I like the idea of Mobley at the four next to Allen for sure. And I like the idea of, uh, you know, Mobley surrounded by wings and Mobley playing the five. So I think the Cavs are going to have some options. And the single best thing about Evan Mobley is all the versatility he unlocks on both ends of the floor. And, uh, you know, just having the ability to play next to someone like Allen, I think, is uh, a big part of that. So uh, you, let's go back to just a little bit of the draft order. So you, I, I think you're right in being – Let's just let, not locking this in. I Evan and I think have locked this in a little bit more just because I think the and everything we sort of have been like heard from the Cavs is basically like they're not gonna get a green workout and like that they have a lot of power and like if if Houston goes um, Mobley then like then then Green sort of is in their lap and I think like Green would be the pick over Suggs you would think. Um, they haven't worked out either of them is sort of like the, the wrinkle here. Like they've worked out Kuminga and I don't think they're going to go that direction. I don't know if they've worked out Barnes in Cleveland, but they haven't worked out um, Suggs and they haven't worked out green. Mobley, they have worked out and by the went, went really well. I, it just seal, it seems like that is the case. But if you were kind of looking at, if this where it came down to would, would green, I guess like, would you view green as interesting of a pick as well, as well of a, as good of a fit for Cleveland if, if he ends up being their three. Or, I mean, if it came down to, like, if, if Houston, like, does the curveball and, like, maybe takes Suggs at two, could you who would you pick between Mobley and Green? Yeah, I would definitely take Mobley over Green. I think that Mobley and Cade is closer than Mobley versus Green. This is just one man's opinion. And I think the real discussion would be Suggs versus Green. Now, Green is awesome. I mean, he is such an explosive athlete. He really impressed me in the G League. I thought that uh, his half-court scoring ability was just phenomenal. Such a quick first step, such great standstill burst. And then he showed off all these sidestep and step-back threes that typically don't come for players until later in their career. And he was already able to hit those tough shots. Green is someone who can get easy buckets just based off his athleticism. And he's also someone who can hit the Chris Middleton type of super hard shot at the end of the shot clock because he has that type of shooting touch. Uh, with that said, Green, he just has some holes in his skill set, you know? Like, I don't think that he is really going to be this, quote-unquote, heliocentric offensive initiator in the half court. He's not a particularly good decision maker with the ball, and I think that that's probably his most limiting factor. And then defensively, I think, you know, he could project to be average at best. If he ends up being an average NBA defender, you probably take that as a huge win uh, if you're the team that drafts him. So green to me is sort of a safe pick because I think that he's just going to be a no doubt proven bucket getter, but you know, he'll probably face some accusations of being an empty calorie scorer at a certain point in his career. And uh, you know, I think that he also isn't as good of a fit as Mobley is on the roster. So 
I really like Jalen Green. I would have Jalen Green at number three overall. To me, like Jalen Green is probably a little bit better of a prospect than Anthony Edwards was coming into last season. I had Edwards at number two or number three last year. Edwards had a pretty kick-ass rookie year, especially late in the season. And, you know, if you were to ask me now how I would compare Edwards to Green, it would be a really tough situation to choose one of those two guys. Uh, but Mobley, to me, is a is a clear step ahead, even though he's a riskier pick. I think that, you know, the downside with Mobley is that if he can't add strength to his body, that could really limit him. Uh, because he is a guy who has a high center of gravity. He's someone who, you know, the only area he struggled in during his season at USC was scoring in the post. I think he finished in the half court with 91 per- in the 91st percentile of half court scoring efficiency, which is amazing. Uh, but his post-ups were like in the 30th percentile or maybe even lower. So I guess the thing about Mobley is he's going to have to prove that you can't just put a smaller player on him. He's going to have to be able to punish those matchups. I think he'll be able to do it eventually because he has a really great touch. He's so long. He can just like make the game easy on himself because of his length. Uh, and then, you know, his other skills as a player, his passing upside. Uh, I think he's got shooting potential. He looks comfortable attacking off the bounce with either hand at times. So to me, the Cunningham should go number one, I think, just because Cade is sort of the ideal type of building block you want in the game today is that like jumbo sized initiator who can score from all three levels. Even if Cade doesn't become uh, the true, like the great point guard type he can be, I think that, you know, you could be looking at someone like Chris Middleton, who's just a six, eight wing, who's a really good shooter who brings it on defense. So Cade deserves to be the first pick, but I think that Mobley's definitely number two, just for the sort of versatility he unlocks. And it's going to, if the Cavs do take him, it's going to be so interesting to see how they build out the roster, uh, not only over the next year, but over the next like five plus years, because Mobley just unlocks so many different avenues to me. I think that he could be greatly beneficial, obviously, for the Sexton Garland backcourt if Sexton is part of the team's long term plans. I think he could be really good for Okoro, too. Okoro is someone who has pretty defined strengths and weaknesses as a player. Uh, I think, you know, especially if Mobley's shooting develops the way I think it can eventually, uh, you know, he could make a Coro a really, really good player. So to me, Mobley, Mobley two all day. Uh, if he's still there at the Cavs for three, I think that they should be racing to the podium to select him. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. Um, let's take one more break. We'll take a break here. Come back with more with Ricky O'Donnell. Today's episode is brought to you by Bilt Bar. Did you know that Bilt Bar has so many delicious flavors? There's something for everyone. When you talk to a Bilt Bar fan, they're definitely passionate about their favorites. My favorite right now is probably the strawberry. It tastes based just like a chocolate-covered strawberry in protein bar form. It makes eating a protein bar more enjoyable than, or a Bilt Bar more than it already is. Look, there's other great flavors like coconut, mint brownie, double chocolate, and a whole bunch more. If you haven't tried them all, you can get a mix box where you get each of the of the nine flavors, two each, and try them all and find out which one is your favorite. Remember, Bilt Bars are also great tasting, but they're healthy too. 17 to 18 grams of protein, calories ranging from 130 to 180, 4 to 5 grams of sugar, 4 to 5 grams net carbohydrates, amazing flavors, all tasty, all healthy. Order today and get that mint brownie, that strawberry, that cookies and cream, or whatever it is you like. Bilt Bar is also the official protein bar of the U.S. track and field team. 
Go to Built.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your order. Again, promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. All right, Ricky, let me ask you this. You mentioned the Cavs roster. I think that's a good place to go next. Mobley comes in, I think, like your kind of core five would be, like at least in, assuming we'll see what happens with Sexton, uh, Sexton, Garland, Okoro, Jared Allen, Mobley, Larry Nance is, I think, a really good third veteran big. Um, you have some other kind of interesting-ish vets that there. You have some guys that you can maybe develop on the edges of the roster. Mobley would seemingly be the highest upside guy on this roster. What do you just make of the Cavs roster? And um, did you notice that there's a certain veteran power forward who I didn't mention? Yeah, Kevin Love. How about that? I'm sure the Cavs would love to deal Kevin Love in the, what is it? He's making $30 million in the next two years. Uh, to me... Lot, lots of money for a guy who has like one working calf right now. It's it's, it's incredibly a bummer, but it also, it's just like, oh, I don't yeah, know what you Just do. a sad situation in general. Kevin Love should probably be viewed as a hero forever in Cleveland. And now instead, you know, he's just sort of been lingering on the edges of this rebuild for the last few years. It's just an unfortunate situation, uh, but not for him because he's getting paid ridiculously well. Anyways, I think that the Cavs, if you take Mobley, like, I don't know. I wouldn't say I, I think it would be the wrong way to view it as like, here comes the playoff push. We're about to level up in a serious way. I would think you still got to think really long term. And, you know, it's possible the Cavs won't be very good in Evan Mobley's rookie season, especially depending on what happens with uh, Sexton. And you're still taking more of a long term view of the franchise, but uh that's probably the appropriate route for the Cavs, right? Like they're, it's okay for them to continue building through the draft. Mobley's the highest draft pick they've had, right? Wasn't Garland went what five? Yes, Garland was five. Okor was five. Sexton was eighth, and then like they've had guys like Dean Wade, who was like a undrafted guy, but a second round grade. Lamar Stevens, uh, undrafted guy. Jetty Osmond was a second round pick. That that's like it, the highest they've gotten. Yeah. Is five. So basically. I think that. You know, you're still going to have to take sort of a long-term view of the franchise. But, you know, having Mobley, like, maybe you trade Larry Nance. And Larry Nance could potentially fetch you something really good because I think he could help a contender, you know, right away. He's good enough to play meaningful minutes deep into the playoffs. Uh, And you'll just have a lot of roster flexibility, I think, with Mobley. So, to me, I would still be thinking long-term. Obviously, you know, Mobley's a one-and-done. Okoro's a one-and-done. Garland's a one-and-done. That's one thing that, you know, people tend to overlook is like even when a guy struggles through his first couple of years, well, he's still only 21 or 22 when you're drafting him so young. So you got to take a patient long term view. And I know that's probably frustrating for a Cavs fan base that hasn't experienced a lot of winning since LeBron left. But uh, to me, Mobley is just such an enticing long term prospect that it would just make the journey more fun. Like instead of watching two small guards, you're going to have you know, this seven footer paired with them or paired with Garland, at least. And Garland was really good last year. I thought Uh, just a seven footer who can just do so much on the floor. Who's going to be able to move like a wing. Who's going to be able to pass like a guard at times. And that'll just make the rebuild so much more fun. Even if they're still losing, because you're going to have a guy who, in my opinion, like really does have superstar potential. So if you think he does have superstar potential, and I agree with you, I really do see it with Evan Mobley. And I I hate the term unicorn, but it really does feel that way with him just because he is 
he's a big he's a big he's seven footer he's a seven footer he's a big man but he's got such a versatile and unique skill set that I think is only going to get better and further unlocked as he gets NBA condition strength and conditioning and also you know plays with proper spacing because um, just like the biggest thing for me is he's such an interesting passer. Um, I know people like to cite potential assists when it comes to uh, Colin Sexton when it comes to Cleveland fans just to like really say that he is a passer, but like with Mobley, he had pretty good potential assist numbers at Southern Cal. It's just his teammates just weren't good enough to really make some of the shots and some of the passes he was making. Like, do you really see, like you talked about this a bit with Garland, but like even Sexton too, or even Garland, like how much easier will Mobley make their lives? Like, not just as just like a pick and roll threat or a dump down option, but just in terms of offensive spacing and ball moving too. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that USC team played on such a crunched floor. They only took 31% of their field goal attempts from three point range last year. That ranked number 310 in all of division one. So basically no one on USC was even taking a three pointer, let alone making it. Uh, I think that, you know, that is still going to be a somewhat of a concern with the Cavs until Mobley's shooting comes around mm-hmm. just because of Okoro and he presents, you know, sort of unique roster problems with being a non-shooting wing at this point of his career. But I fully believe that Mobley can make life a lot easier on everyone with the Cavs just with his passing. I totally agree with you that his passing is his best skill. If you watch a highlight reel of Mobley's best passing, many of those passes did not go for assists. Uh, I think that, you know, you sort of see a player who is custom made to be that release valve in a half court offense when the ball handler gets trapped, kick it to Mobley. Now Mobley's running sort of that four on three break where he can just pick apart an opposing defense. What it's really going to come down to is honestly adding strength to his frame and making the defense respect him as a scorer. Because, you know, I think that at least early in his, at least early in his USC days, like I was thinking, you know, Mobley, there's so many parallels between him and Anthony Davis as young players when Davis was at Kentucky, Mm -hmm. but Davis was really able to flush out his body with strength. And then he just had a more aggressive scoring mindset. So I don't know if Mobley's going to be a guy who's programmed to put up 25 points a game, Mm -hmm. but it is going to be critical for him to make the defense respect his scoring ability so that he can score when, you know, the defense puts a smaller player on him and so that he can attract defensive attention to really unlock his passing. Like to me, the biggest key with Mobley is just going to be playing with force, becoming a little bit more aggressive of a scorer. And I think that's all tied to adding strength to his body. Uh, If that happens, I think that you can see a guy who's passing is just really premium for the position because he'll command a lot of defensive attention in terms of, uh, you know, opposing defenses loading up to stop him. And he's got the vision to hit open teammates all over the floor. His ability to map the court, I think, is really rare for someone his age, someone his size, and someone who plays his position. He's able to have just tremendous vision and to know where his teammates are on the floor, even when he has his back to the basket, even when he's in, uh, you know, positions that wouldn't be advantageous to passing. So, yeah, I think I think Mobley's awesome, but he uh, he really does have to add strength to his body, which you know you just see him. It's the obvious, it's the obvious thing as soon as you watch the guy play. Yeah, that's the that's the clearly the thing. I mean, I think that's why I kind of like. Not only do I think he's going to be a guy that can play with various types of bigs, but like I like that Allen can take on some of the the more physical matchups for him to start. Right, like he's not going to have to defend. You know 
Sabonis like in in like underneath the hoop like in Pacers Cavs games or right? like he's not gonna have to uh, like you can put him on like Vooch instead of like someone else like, when you play the Bulls probably for at least a little bit you don't he's not gonna have to defend a uh, beef stew Isaiah Stewart like underneath the rim um, as much be- to start at least because his frame is is not right there and like I I think for Cleveland the passing thing is him and Garland on the floor together just kind of rocks to me <laughs> like those two guys being your creative hubs, being the guys kind of passing guys open, being the guys sort of organizing your offense to me is just like a really, really dynamic way to do it. And like, I think, you know, it'll, it'll fall on the coaching staff to, I think, run more stuff. I think Okoro shooting is one of the biggest, if not the biggest hinge of the Cavs next season. Um, if he can shoot, that becomes just like such a game breaking thing for the team on a, a number of fronts. And if you can't like you, you have to, you bring in some questions about sort of what his ceiling is and everything. Um, you, you know, year two and beyond, but no matter how good his defense is, it's just the reality of, of the league. I just kind of just, I, I think one of the things that Ricky in watching the finals this year and watching NBA roster building the last couple of years, I think the teams that just like, don't try to fit a certain mold and just like embrace what is actually sort of there are the ones that ultimately become the most successful. And like, I think embracing Mobley could just be like a really game breaking kind of thing. I want to see what the Cavs would actually do if they were, if they're willing to, you know, still be a little bit patient with themselves, not try to force it. And then just like, let your Mobley Garland, Okoro, Allen, Sexton kind of core with like, maybe there, there obviously may, could be some changes to the Sexton of it all and maybe other stuff. But like, I think leading with that and just seeing where that talent play can get you is just like really smart. Cause like Jared Allen has, you know, it feels like he's been in the league forever, but he's been in the league like four years. Like, it's not like he's been in the league for a decade already. He's 23 years old. Yeah, and I, I fully agree with that point you made about embracing the talent on the roster, and that's why I said, like, Mobley's a little bit of a challenging prospect just because he doesn't fit into a traditional box. And, you know, when you're drafting a guy number three overall, I think what you want is, you know, traditionally you want a primary offensive option. And I'm not sure if Mobley's going to be a primary scoring option, uh, but, you know, the Cavs have plenty of time to continue building out the roster. And I think that Mobley is going to be the type of guy who really elevates everyone else around him because he has such a unique mix of skills with his length, with his shooting, uh, you know, with the way he just glides around the floor. The guy's movement skills are really his foundational gift that sort of allows him to be a top two, top three caliber player in this draft. And, it is going to be a slow burn. It is going to take some time, but to me, he's going to make everyone else better around him as the Cavs learn to like lean into his skills and to put him in the best position to succeed. So he's someone to me who can like sort of fit into any crack and fill in any role uh, as his skills, you know, continue to develop. But I don't think you want to put him in a box. I think you want to just let him be the best player he can be. Sometimes that's going to mean him handling the ball and initiating the offense, even though he's seven feet tall. Sometimes it's going to be, you know, using him the way maybe the Nuggets use Jokic in the half court as a passer and as a playmaker. Uh, and sometimes it's going to be, you know, continuing to develop him as a shooter and letting him be a spot-up threat on the perimeter. So there's a lot of different things he can do. His bread and butter is going to be defensively early in his career. And I think just his length and his movement skills on defense are going to immediately elevate a Cavs team that has been horrible on defense since LeBron left. Him and Okoro together, Okoro is just such a good on-ball defender, so aggressive. And I think that, you know, just getting Okoro more opportunities to attack and transition is something that can really elevate the Cavs. Getting uh, Garland in a position where he can come off a screen in the half court and be better 
is going to be really advantageous. And yeah, one thing I want to say about Mobley though, he's not a very good screen setter. I don't know if you guys have noticed that and watching him. That was one thing that really jumped off the screen to me when I was watching him. It is, it is a thing that I have come to really like, uh, value in bigs because like I watched Tristan Thompson set like amazing screens for like a decade. And like, you notice it when guys are not willing to actually like, it matters when a guy like actually puts his body on the, on the screener and isn't trying to slip, isn't just trying to like go through the motions of the, the act of screen setting. And like, I, I, that, that also just seems like a thing you could probably fix. You would imagine, right? Like, it just seems like a thing you can probably be like, you can make him at least like be a little more physical with it um i don't but like that that just feels like uh it's not great but it's also like as you mentioned like his usc situation was just like very interesting to me and there's just like stuff that i wonder sometimes when you become really really good from a young age that like it slips through the cracks a little bit like that um but i again i feel that feels like fixable to me more so than like like the shot is i feel like i feel like jb bickers have to to like set set your screens and like the the they they have uh evan what's the name of the big man coach they got from utah a couple years ago like that antonio Antonio lang Lang. i mean alex jensen is floating in the ether too but he's with utah still yeah yeah well lang lang was with utah he was a big guy that worked with gobert and like gobert is a pretty darn good screen setter so Maybe like there is something to like if you bring him in, he's the guy you get. It's also a mold. It's also a shame that Lloyd Pierce wasn't able to come to Cleveland and went to Indiana because Lloyd Pierce was a big part of Joel Embiid's development in Philly. Yeah, that's very fair. Okay, one more break with Ricky. We'll be back to talk about his top thirty list that he did for SB Nation right after this. Also want to tell you about our friends at betonline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all the action at BetOnline. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all of your UFC slash MMA action. Before the next pitch, head to BetOnline on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Again, that's promo code locked on and it's bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Promo code locked on, all one word at bet online. Evan, where do you want to go next? You're, you're, I've been talking a lot. You go. Um,. Do you want to go more mobile? Or do you want to go to this 30 list? We'll do both, but where do you want to go? See, this is tough. I, I want to ask the hypothetical for Ricky. Like He mentioned the idea of trading Larry Nance Jr. I'm not personally on par with that because I like Nance at the four and Mobley at the fives in certain bench situations, but if it's possible for Cleveland to trade back into the first round, let's say they get a mid to late or like an early 20s late teens first round pick like ricky who do you think would be an ideal candidate for cleveland and nab like i know a lot of people are high on sharif cooper but chris and i don't know if he'd be available there but I, there's got to be something because i think backup point is such a dire need for the Cavs, and if the market doesn't pan out the way they want they might need to go hunting in the draft or if they have the impression the market won't pan out the way they want yeah, I mean, I love Cooper, but you already have one small guard with a somewhat similar skill set in Garland. Garland, obviously, a much better pull-up shooter. Cooper is probably a better playmaker at this point, live dribble passer. So that could be interesting, but I don't know if I want two super small guards like that again. So 
I don't know if I'm the Cavs, a guy who would be a home run swing if they're going to get late in the first round would be like Zaire Williams from Stanford. He was a consensus top 10 borderline top five recruit coming into a season at Stanford measured over six foot 10 in shoes, uh, really weak physically. And that's something that's going to need to be addressed. And for that reason, I think that he's going to be a player who uh, is going to need years to develop. But his shot making at that size is just really, really impressive. And I think that, you know, he'd be a perfect complement next to Okoro in terms of a big forward who could hit shots. Uh, He's another boomer bust guy to me, Zaire Williams is, just because uh, he's just totally unable to play through contact at either end of the floor right now. Also, he's 19 years old and it just takes sometimes extra time for a teenager who's six foot 10 for his body to develop. But here he has the shooting touch. And the shooting touch in that size, I think, is really unique. So if they were to get a late first round pick, um, my target would be Zaire Williams for the Cavs. I don't hate that fit. Do you, Chris? No, I don't at all. I think that that's like the kind of swing I would take. Like, you know, we we talked about if they were to like maybe buy a second round pick um, and, you know, you, or package some of the, the many future seconds they have to get a second round pick this year because you just, like, I want, just, can't, you just want Jason no, Preston on the Cavaliers I wasn't, so you I can buy the jersey. That's all. Yeah, I got to Yeah, 100%. But also, like, you know, we've talked about BJ Boston. We've talked about Josh Christopher. If those guys are available in, like, that that upper second round, like, those are names we know that they have, like, poked around a little bit, especially, I think, Boston. Um, and, like, that that's the kind of guy that I think if you're – if those are the kind of players that if you – um are going to like you're not going to probably use all three second round picks on guys that come to the nba next year like that just isn't going to happen you know so like that that is how i think you um you you... unless there's a turkish forward that it will be a darling of Cavs fans for a year, and then to give them serious minutes, um, they hate them. Yeah, that could be. An but what do you just think? Of, what do you you mentioned? I think right before we started getting that, there is like a fall off after the top four in this class. Um, so, what do you just make of this of this draft class overall? Like the Cavs, I think obviously got extremely lucky in getting to number three. I think getting a Mobley or a Green like really unlocks something for them. But what do you just make of this class as a whole? Yeah, I think that the top four is awesome. And everything else after that is a huge question mark. When I was doing that top 30 board for SB Nation, I had no idea who to put at number five. I was really going back and forth. And I think like when you're picking in the top five, you want a guy who you think has all-star potential. You don't want a high-end role player. But I put Franz Wagner at number five out of Michigan. He's someone who very much projects as a high-end role player in the best-case scenario and not an all-star player. And, you know, if he were to go fifth, I'm sure that somebody drafted behind him will end up being a better player than him, most likely. Uh, it's just hard to identify who that guy is going to be in, who that guy is going to be at this point in the process. But, uh, you know, the Cavs got really lucky. Jumping up to number three, I think, is just huge for them because any of these top four prospects, I think, would have been just a great addition to the overall talent foundation of the team. Uh, and to have a shot at landing Evan Mobley, I think, that, you know, that's just awesome. That's a huge win. So this draft, I think from five to 14, you can really put these guys in any order. I mean, there's some of these dudes who I like more than others. Uh, to me, Kaminga is pretty rough just in terms of his overall skill level right now. I don't think he's good at anything. Right now, he shot under forty percent from the field, <laughs> under twenty five percent from three. Around the tape on him, the, the G League tape on him is brutal. It's absolutely brutal. 
yeah, his flash plays were awesome. You could see the idea of him, right? But yeah, but like like Jalen, like if you want to like the Jalen like Jalen Green in the same situation looks like you're like oh shit, like he's doing stuff, and Kaminga, you're just like, is this guy like? He just looks so mechanical, almost like he's like trying to like force his frame into like being able to do stuff, and like that's that that's how you end up with like like no, I love Jeff Green, but that's how you end up using like oh. the fifth pick on Jeff Green. Kuminga also just feels like an extremely Orlando Magic player to me. Like that just feels like we're headed here. Well, oh for sure. That's actually what our friend J. Kyle Mann said. He said he also looks like a robot that just learned how to play basketball and then is glitching in the system in real time. <laughs> that he's like, yeah, he screams Orlando Magic. Ricky, I am curious, though. So you have Franz at five. Why do you have him over, like, say, like, I don't know. I, I'm high on Scotty Barnes, and I would have probably had him fit. That's why I kind of said whoa to myself when he said that. So are you are you down on Scotty just because of his shooting issues or is it just more so like you said like you feel safer with Franz even though he does project as a high-end role player which you know like you said isn't yeah. ideal with the fifth so, pick but it's Scotty also Barnes not is awesome I've either. seen Scotty Barnes play in person since he was very early in his high school career he was someone who was on the map as a five-star uh you know from the moment he entered high school basically he was involved at USA Basketball he was a headline player on the EYBL. I saw him play with Vernon Carey when Vernon Carey was the number one recruit in the country. Uh, so he's someone who's been on the map forever. I think that Scotty Barnes might be awesome. I, I had him at five originally. And then I thought a little bit more about it. And I convinced myself that Franz Wagner can be like a supersized Michael Bridges. And that that is just a little bit more of a sure thing than Barnes. Because Barnes really can't shoot. I wonder how Barnes is going to fit into a half court offense. If he's not the guy who's controlling the action with the ball in his hands, Barnes is also a terrific passer. He had a extremely high assist rate for a six foot nine forward with a seven foot three wingspan. He checks a lot of boxes. There's no doubt. I just wonder what Scotty Barnes's place in a half court offense. Uh, if he's not the guy who's playing with the ball in his hands. And, you know, quite frankly, I don't really view him as a sort of player who can beat a defense off the dribble and force the defense into rotation. And that's what you need to unlock your special passing ability and playmaking ability. So Franz, I think he's a much better bet to space the floor than Barnes. And then defensively, I think Franz is awesome. I think that he is you know, right there with Barnes. Maybe Barnes is a little bit higher, just has a little bit higher ceiling just because uh, he's a little longer and he's so known for his motor. I think that he, Barnes has a lot of defensive versatility, but Franz has a lot of defensive versatility too. He can hold his own on the perimeter. He's big enough to defend a post up. There's rumors he might be 6'10 or 6'11 now with shoes. It seems like he just keeps growing. He's grown since he got into Michigan. So I don't know if, if you're thinking just like of the three and D archetype, but a guy who's just really, really huge. I think that that is an interesting player. That's sort of what I see Franz as. And Franz is a rough shooter too, man. Like, I don't think you can pencil Franz in as being a knockdown catch and shoot threat. He's someone who really gets into his own head uh, when he misses a few. But don't forget that Scotty Barnes and Franz Wagner matched up in the Sweet 16 this year, and Franz Wagner outplayed him. Uh, That was pretty much a TKO for Franz, in my opinion. And then Franz ended up, uh, basically playing horrible in Michigan's Elite Eight loss. He shot one of 10 from the field, I think, in that game. So you're splitting hairs in a lot of ways with these big forwards. I'll throw Jalen Johnson in there, too, who a lot of people don't like as a prospect, but I find him to be one of the more talented guys in the class. I have him as a top 10 player. I think that uh, just based on pure talent, he deserves to be in the discussion for a top 10 pick. 
Uh, but I give Franz the edge just because he's able to space the floor better than any of the other big forwards while still having just as much defensive potential. Yeah. Ricky, we'll end on this. Thanks again for all the time. There's people that think the Cavs should look at trading back, get like five and eight. I think that's crazy. Just yes or no, is that crazy? That's crazy. Yeah, I mean, the the draft falls off a cliff after the fourth pick. If you're getting five and eight to me, that'd be like the Magic were hugely disappointed by their results, even though they have if, picks at the top can, eight. Can you imagine like trade back to five and eight and you take like Kuminga and Kispert? Mm-hmm. I'm walking into Lake Erie at that point, I think. Yeah, don't do that. Just just take Evan Mobley. <laughs> well, it'd, be, it'd probably be like Kaminga. Regardless, Blue it's Knight, not Evan Mobley. It's kind of surging from what I've heard. Oh, it's not. It's not ideal. No, Evan Mobley. Uh, what's draft day? What What's the uh, Browns Vontae, draft Vontae movie? Mac, what's, no matter what's the what? quote? Yeah, draft day. What's the quote? Yeah, that's it. Evan Mobley, no matter Ashley what. Bashock I haven't seen that movie. Ashley Bashock I just know every Browns you. fan around me has. And when the Browns hosted the draft, it's okay. We get along on other things. Yeah. So there's Ricky, be give everyone the plug about what's on. coming. Uh, your work at SB Nation as, as we wrap up here. Yeah, I'll be covering the draft at SB Nation. Uh, you can find all my work at SBNation.com. Uh, I'll be doing draft grades the night of the draft. The Cavs will definitely get an A from me if they take Evan Mobley because I'd be a big fan of that pick. Uh, and yeah, I'll have a 2022 mock draft as well. The day after the draft, I've already got oh, that you, put together. You, so, oh, you, you crazy person, you crazy, crazy person. Always, oh my goodness. It's always fun to do. I do. I've done it, I think eight years in a row at this point. And, uh, sometimes, you know, it looks pretty good in hindsight. I had Luka Doncic number one on that original, uh, mock draft board. I also had Emmanuel Moutier number one back in 2014 or 15, whenever that was. So it's a grab bag, but, uh, it's a good way to just sort of dig into the class, introduce people to who the top players are going to be the next year. And really it doesn't change all that much. Uh, typically, although I did have BJ Boston number two this year before, uh, he turned in a pretty brutal year, but the rest of the lottery is, uh, is just about the same. So, Uh, That'll be a fun exercise. That'll come out the day after the draft. And yeah, just focusing on the draft uh, until it goes down at the end of the month. All right. Thanks again, Ricky. Everyone will be back tomorrow with more Locked on Cavs. It's draft week, folks, and we're back.